You're listening to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi, the podcast where we think about what can be possible in our lives. And now, here's the host of the show, Dr. Michelle Choi. Hello, hello. Today, I'm really excited to have Connie Subcheck from the nonprofit organization, The Body Positive, on the show today. Connie gave a beautiful TED Talk entitled Embracing Your Critical Voice, The Gateway to Self-Love, where she talks about learning to embrace ourselves so that we're not derailed from our core truths. I highly recommend that you watch her TED Talk. It's truly inspiring. You're going to want to send it to every woman you know. And as you'll see from this interview, she's amazing, her message is amazing, and it makes sense. The Body Positive is an organization that Connie founded with her partner Elizabeth Scott in 1996 to help people develop a balanced, joyful, self-caring relationship with their bodies that's guided by love, forgiveness, and humor. They've created a community that offers freedom from the suffocating societal messages that cause people to be in a perpetual struggle with their own bodies. And I believe this message is particularly important as we emerge from the pandemic. Many of us may be feeling worse than we ever did before. And let's be honest, many of us act the most horribly to ourselves. This is something that Connie brought up in the interview that I found profound, that one's life purpose is never harmful. And I have to agree with her on this one. I don't believe anyone's life purpose is to ultimately harm themselves. Because in general, one's sole purpose is for your awakening to work towards true happiness so that you can deliver your gift to the world. The poet Mary Oliver said, Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Which basically means, how will you begin to deeply understand yourself, to find yourself, and share your special gift with the world? And if you're harming yourself in this one wild and precious life, my question to you is why? If you're walking down a path that's harmful, I don't think that's ever anyone's right path. We are just confusing ourselves more and getting further away from the truth. It's okay to feel what you feel, but what do you choose to do with this information? May you show some decency and mercy on your own life so that you can begin to understand and see your own truth. Today, I'm super excited to speak with Connie Subcheck. Connie founded The Body Positive in honor of her sister and to ensure that her daughter Carmen and other children would grow up in a new world, one where people are free to focus on the things in life that really matter. She is the author of Embody, Learning to Love Your Unique Body and Quiet That Critical Voice her book in which she skillfully and lovingly reconnects readers to their essence and life force. She has been training Be Body Positive facilitators for more than 20 years and uses her creative skills to produce the Body Positive's curricula, videos, digital courses, and trainings. Hello, Connie Subcheck. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to Lost or Found. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad to meet you. Thank you. And before we begin, can you tell us about yourself? Sure. So I'm Connie Subcheck. I am the co-founder and executive director of a nonprofit called The Body Positive and also the author of a book called Embody, Learning to Love Your Unique Body and Quiet That Critical Voice. Oh, I love that. And may I ask you as we begin, what does being body positive mean to you? What does being body positive mean to me? It is something that's inclusive for all people because at the body positive, the way we think about it is that it's each person's unique individual life experience and their own body story. So we all get to have body positivity. It's not about being perfect in our love for our bodies in all moments, because that's not possible. But it's about having an overarching sense of 
really honoring the bodies that we have because they give us life and then doing the work each day to accept them and learn to love them based on all of the stuff that comes at us from society. So, and then joining together in community to say everybody has value and purpose and how can we support one another in lifting off the burdens of shame and body hatred in order to really fully live our lives. I love that because it's pretty amazing how abusive or hateful we are to our bodies when even when we don't like ourselves, our bodies always carry us. It's like that partner that never leaves you. Exactly. Ironically. Right. Exactly. And it doesn't mean, I mean, it's like with loved ones, we don't, you know, we love them, but we sometimes get in fights with them and we don't always see eye to eye. And I feel like it's the same with our bodies. It's this relationship that is the primary relationship of our lives. And um, at The Body Positive, we're not saying people shouldn't want to change their bodies, obviously. It's about living in the body that feels right for you. And so if changes are necessary in whatever ways, we're not judging anybody at all for that. And we honor people wanting to, especially um, around, you know, living in the body that feels comfortable them to them around gender. And um, so, so yeah, it's a real individual relationship. And I just wish people would get off each other's bodies and focus on their relationship with their own so we could all just live more peacefully in ours. Exactly. Because I also think in terms of change, it's how that change is done. You know, sometimes people have such negative feelings, you know, invoking that change in, instead of coming from like a better, positive, healthful place. Right. And we have to honor that there's so much pressure from society and for a lot of people, pressure from their families or their loved ones. And so sometimes those changes do happen from that place of fear. I mean, my hope is that people can really know the motivation for change and do it from as much of a place of strength and real knowing of themselves as possible. And sometimes it's not that way. And that's that makes me sad, but that's the way life is in our society. Yeah. You know, I was really inspired by you as well as your organization. What was your call to action? Whew. It's a very personal story. I had an eating disorder when I was a teenager. I started hating my body when I was around 12, when I started with a new friend group, 12, 13. And before that really just was this very free child, lived on a farm. I had a pony and a horse and we, yeah, we were kind of these farm kids and, and I just used my body. And then suddenly it became this thing around what I was supposed to look like. My sister, Stephanie, uh, she was about four years older than I was and she was really big. She was uh, almost six feet tall and she had big feet and she never really fit in in her world. And so looking back, I can see that when she was a teenager, she also started binge eating because of mm -hmm. her shame. Um, I talk about this in my TEDx talk that I'd, yeah, I'd love to share a little more about that. Um, so I go deeply into her story, but um, in a nutshell, so my dad just started giving her a hard time at the dinner table about what she was eating. And so that plus my friends all dieting led me to an eating disorder at the age of 15. This was a long time ago. There wasn't even a word for it. I had bulimia and all of my friends had it. And it was this very mm -hmm. normalized behavior. Um, I feel really lucky at 21, I healed myself. I feel like I had this life force inside of me that wouldn't go away. And I dug deep, um, felt really suicidal. Um, no, I would, probably wouldn't have done it, but I, the feeling started coming up. I started dreaming about it. So it was a it was a pressure inside that something was not right. And I listened. And that was my first uh, hit of intuitive listening. And I chose life. And I healed myself over just a short period of time. I changed relationships. I did a lot of work um, on my own just to figure out how to get out of it. And then little bits of help came here and there and new friends and everything. And um, then in my 30s, uh, my sister died from her eating disorder and also from breast implants that she had gotten that were faulty. And so she died at the age of 36 from complications from all of that. And at the time, my daughter was a year old. I had just had a daughter and I wanted to change the world for her. 
I wanted this to be a place where she could grow up loving her body. And I was a fierce, very fierce mama. And I just knew I had to do something. And so I got the idea for the body positive and that's kind of wow. how I was born. Then I met my colleague, Elizabeth Scott, who's a social worker and together we've created this organization. I think that's such an incredible story because from your pain, you know, you're bringing such light into the world. Yeah. Another story that we can all create. Right. And it was really fascinating because it all came down to this process of intuitive listening. And so I mm -hmm. didn't understand it at the time. But when that first part, when I chose life, when I chose to say this, the way I'm living isn't how I want to live. And I don't know what this means, but I'm going to figure it out and make changes. Left a partner that I was with who would poke my thighs and tell me I was soft and needed to go running, even though I was a compulsive runner at the time and, yeah. and really strong. and. Uh, so that didn't feel right anymore. And it was this choice of, I want to feel good. And then all through my twenties, all of these hits came to me around how, uh, how to live. And it was all intuition and my body was speaking to me and that's the beauty of it. And, um, when I healed myself, then I was able to start hearing this, this wisdom that was coming yeah. through and all of our bodies have it. Everybody has it. How did you find the wisdom through like the words of hatred, you know, like through the bulimia and like, how did you find the truth to that? Well, that very first time, the sense that I got, so I, it scared me when I realized that I'd had these dreams that I had tried to kill myself. And in each dream, mm -hmm. I was pulled out somehow from it. And then this is a really fascinating story, and it's true. I, after that, I hadn't remembered the dreams, but one day I was standing on my roof of my little apartment in Berkeley, and I was looking over the edge, and I thought, maybe it would be easier. And I knew I wouldn't do it. I, I really did, mm -hmm. but I just that was how strong it was. I, just, I was so unhappy. I just felt like life isn't worth living. And literally, my phone rang, and this is before answering machines and so like way back like in your dream your phone no, this rang. is real so this is oh, real. Okay. I was standing oh. on my roof um my my little apartment was right below me and and uh, I heard the phone ring and it rang and rang and rang and it wouldn't stop ringing and I just finally said okay fine I'm gonna go answer it and it was my mom and I had the week before told her about bulimia or as I said some form of anorexia at the time and uh she said, I think you're trying to kill yourself with wow. your behaviors. And like in that instant, all of the dreams came back to me. And I just went, oh, yes, I am. I don't want mm -hmm. to. I don't want to die. And so that's how it came through. It was what I see now. And, and I spent 10 years also doing body work um, and this very intense form of massage that was all about emotional release work and healing on the emotional level as well. And what I learned is that our bodies scream at us if we don't listen. So if there's some change that needs to happen in our lives, a lot of times they'll just start shouting at us and, and then something hopefully will wake us up. And it doesn't for everybody because it's so easy to keep blinders on and it's so easy to listen to societal messages and they're strong. They're really strong or um, family messages. And if we don't have support to get out, for some people it's impossible, but somehow it was my path to learn how to listen. Yeah, I love that because I really agree with you. I think sometimes before we ourselves know, our bodies are raising like the white flag. Absolutely. To, like <laughs> get some help. It's time, you know? Like, too. like if we listen, we're getting messages. Yes. Or even something beyond ourselves, like your dreams. Your dreams yes. are telling you a message, like our our spirit, you yes. know? Yes. I had another instance, and this next one that I'm going to explain was when I finally started realizing there's something here. So after I became a massage practitioner, I had made a choice to work on a man who was the husband of one of my clients. And this was a client, the woman also that I didn't know very well. She was a friend of somebody else who was my, mm -hmm. my more permanent client. And I worked on him once. And 
she had wanted me to come and work on him once a week. And so nothing happened. It was fine. Everything was fine. And I said yes. And then I was up in the Berkeley Hills and I love running and playing through the, the forests. And like I have this spot where I run over root tree roots and, you know, it's all just this really wild play. It's just fun. And I do it all the time. And that day that I'd made the decision and said, yes, I was running down the hill on my back. It was like a vice grip just went and my lower back just was in excruciating pain. And I was doing nothing different. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't work. I couldn't pick up my daughter. She was three years old. A physical therapist said, don't pick up your child. Don't do your work. Don't sit in a car. Don't walk on uneven ground, which, you know, obviously this is the thing I love is running over roots and on (laughs) uneven ground. So basically my life was taken away from me. And one day someone said, you should get orthotics. So I was like, okay, I was trying everything. And um, before the store opened for this one place, I was in a bookstore and I found um, Andrew Weil's book, Andrew Weil's book. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, you have to read this book called Healing Back Pain by a Dr. John Sono. So I got that book and it was all about the mind-body connection to pain and around back pain especially. And within three weeks, I was picking up my daughter, swinging her and her friends around, playing. I was running through the hills and I healed, I healed, I healed myself. And a year later, I was with my original client and she told me about the friend whose husband was uh, an abuser. Oh, and what I forgot to say, and this, the most important part of the story is before my back went out on me, I had two dreams that he was a wife abuser. Wow. They were so strong. And I still said yes to going to work. And they were so strong. I mean, they were scary dreams. And Mm I remembered them, but I still said yes. I thought, oh, they're just dreams. And a year later, I found out that he was emotionally abusive. Wow. And you really felt that energy in your dream. Oh, I felt it. It was so strong. And it came again, kind of like with the dreams when I was young, it came two nights in a row. So two Mm -hmm. nights in a row, I had these really strong dreams. And that's when I decided I'm going to start listening. And then my body just said, no, you're not going to work on this person. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to the dreams. I wasn't listening to the intuition that was speaking to me until my body said, stop. And then I healed myself. And then I was able to do my work. But the best part about all of that was that's when I decided to start the body positive. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do my work and I felt like something was coming next. And so I, and that's when I did all the work to find the body positive. Wow. (laughs) I love that story. It's It's a little, little wacky life, but it's, it's but I believe it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for you to even have the courage to, and faith to even listen like that. Yeah, I think many of us have the capacity, but we just ignore and ignore. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because after that, then I thought, okay, something's here. And then what I've realized is that there is this voice inside of me and it is always speaking. And from small things to big things. And interestingly, recently in 2017, I started having this feeling and and I kept saying it out loud to my colleagues. We have to get all of our work online because we used to do all of our trainings to teach people how to facilitate the body positive work in our curriculum. And it was all done in person. And then in 2017, I just kept saying it has to be online. It has to be online. And we finished it at the end of 2019, right before COVID. Wow. And I thought, okay, all right, <laughs> there it is again. So I opportune, and it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So I really encourage people to listen. And I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning, a young friend who's making a big decision, and she was talking about maybe not doing what she wants to do. And then I said, you can do it, and then you can change your mind. Yeah. And so listen, is this, does it feel right now? And so yes, go forward and listen. And there's always then these little adjustments. And I raised my daughter listening to her intuitive voice. Mm -hmm. And it's been so beautiful to watch how she makes decisions. And then sometimes she'll decide something and then realize this is wrong and go is willing to say, well, maybe everybody in my life and society would say, stick with it, do it because you're there. You should just try it out. And she Mm -hmm. doesn't. She listens to her body. You bring up a really important point because sometimes I wonder if like all the problem, a lot of the problems in our lives is because we're listening to the wrong voice. 
like we listen to the louder voice, which is, you know, like almost like the bullying, the negative, you know, but we're not really listening or searching for the voice of truth that also exists. We're just listening to the louder one. But what would happen if we truly stopped and became quiet and found that voice again within us? The world would be a completely different place. I mean, I think of your story and what you chose, mm-hmm. and that's the listening, right? That's that's so powerful. I mean, even there's a sense for agony right now, <laughs> you know? right? And and I'm not saying right. It's not yeah. easy when we listen. I'm not ever going to say that it's easy. And sometimes it takes us down a path. And I had so many times in. I mean, I've been doing the body positive work for 25 years, and so there's been times when we've had funding and there have been times when we've had none. And there have been times when I've had colleagues and there have been times when I've been completely alone. And in some of those alone times, I just remember like, what do you want from me? Why am I doing this? Like, because I really felt tapped into a greater source when I got the idea for it. And then I'd be like, let me free. I want to do something else. I just want to have a regular life. (laughs) It's true. Like right now in this period in my life and my period of confusion as I'm like walking through the mud, I feel like I'm constantly talking to a higher power. I don't know if it's getting anywhere, but yeah, there's a a lot of begging, crying, (laughs) you know, as I work through the frustration. And it but, it is getting you somewhere. And that's the part of yeah. trust and faith that there is a reason that these things happen to us. Yeah. And when we listen and follow, we don't know where it's taking us. And you might think it's taking you in one direction and like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then suddenly it just takes you on a left or a right turn. And, and then, oh, okay. And mm-hmm. there's all these little signposts along the way. Yeah. And that's what I've learned is listen and pay attention to the signposts. And then it doesn't mean don't be practical because I think that that's what people think that when you listen to this voice, which if uh, women who run with the wolves, um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes's mm-hmm. book, I mean, it's so beautiful and I've picked it up again in the past year. And this is the wild woman energy. And it doesn't mean that we, you know, throw caution to the wind and we turn, you know, do things that are not practical always. It just means that we're listening to this instinctual place in us that knows and it has and and maybe it's not for everybody i'm not saying it's for everybody but for people who are called and feel some longing or feel something inside of them that's like something's not quite right Mm -hmm. this is a path that opens and to not suppress it you know and even in this time of like vulnerability to feel like you have something or energy to talk to, you know, so that you don't feel so alone too. Right. Right. And then to be able to, if possible, find people who can support you in this work. I was really lucky when I had hurt my back, I Mm. found a group called soul of the sacred feminine and did a lot of ritual work and a lot of dream work and a lot of journeying. And, and that's kind of how the, the body positive came to me. I was asking, like, what is my path? What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to be doing that will bring healing to the planet? That's all I kept asking. And then yeah. weird things happened, but the little funny signposts mm-hmm. that got me to where I was. And and then each step of the way, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I'm going to start a non- Someone said, start a nonprofit. I had this idea to make a video for teenagers to plant seeds about a different way of being in their bodies. And then that's and then I just talked to my friends who were video producers and so we had conversations and then I talked to someone else who said start a nonprofit. I was like, okay. And I didn't know what I was doing. And 25 years later, you know, I'm the executive director. And I mean, somebody else should be in my position for sure. I just I've 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 made it somehow. We've made it through, but I but I didn't know what I was doing. And I learned yeah. along the way. And I the key of it was that I said, I'm gonna be a beginner. I'm not going to beat myself up for not knowing what I don't know. I know nothing about what I'm doing. And so I'm going to be as kind to myself as I can, as I totally. And to ask, you know, to leave your door open for the answers to come in. Can I ask you, why do you think we're so hard on ourselves? Like a lot of times, and a lot of times it's abusive. It is abusive. It is abusive. And that's how I see it. And it makes me so sad that each person is in an abusive relationship with themselves. I feel that it 
I mean, I don't believe we come in being abusive to ourselves. I do not believe that that is our purpose in life as humans. And I think that just all of that stuff that comes in, the the mean things people say to us, the the messages that we get about how we're supposed to be, and then and then observing others, our role models, doing it to themselves. So so the self shaming of the parent or the the guide mm-hmm. is if they're secretly doing that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just everywhere. And so there's this feeling of, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do too. And it just seeps in and without consciousness of what's happening, then we just keep going with it. And we think that this is the way we're supposed to be. And everybody else is like that. And so, and then we live in a society where, I mean, it's, you know, you're supposed to connect through self-deprecation, especially for um, female, female identified folks, you know, that this is how we relate to each other is putting ourselves down. And so it's everywhere. And so to choose to say, I'm going to stop being abusive with myself and to, I'm going to do a create a practice of self love is revolutionary. It's radical. And it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's, it's nonviolent communication with ourselves. And we work so hard to be that way with other people. Totally. And to acknowledge that it happens, it's happening in us, you know, and to, I wonder if in order to shut it, we have to listen to it and see what it's saying yes. to kind of put it in its right place. Yes. And that's um, what my whole TEDx talk is about. It's called Embracing the Critical Voice, the Gateway to Self-Love. And, and by what- the way, I loved your TED talk. Oh, thank you. So much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was very intense to tell my sister's story of the day she died and how I felt. And yet what I see in it and all that came from it is that this is where I've gotten because of that loss is that life is precious. And that's what I got when she died. Uh, it took me a while to figure it out. But what I knew inside was I want to have fun in life. I don't know how long I'll be here. How do we know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been fortunate to make it to 61, but that's, who knows what's coming. And it's not fun to beat myself up. And when I realized how harsh I was with myself, I got over my beating up my body early on when I healed from bulimia, it really went away. And I had a beautiful relationship with my body, even when it would change through pregnancy and all the different changes. And um, yet I was still so mean to myself about everything else. Just, I should know everything. I should never miss, you know, have mm-hmm. problems with communication. Why didn't I know better? I should have, you know, all that stuff. And then really when when I recognized that it was my little scared self inside having a tantrum, like my daughter did when she was little, because there was fear, or there was some sort of big feeling. That's when I went, oh, yeah, if I turn and pick it up, pick up my little scared child inside and say, hi, how you doing? What's going on? And listen, what are you afraid of? And then mm-hmm. it's like, I just want you to, blah, 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 you know, that mean voice. Okay, I hear you. Got it. You're afraid. What are you really afraid of? And what do you really need? And we do work at the Body Positive around in one of our our activities is around working down from that critical voice to what is the life enhancing quality that that fear voice inside of me is really wanting. And they think Mm -hmm. by perfecting me that that's going to get me that quality. And, And so what I've learned how to do is when I hear that critical voice, it's like, okay, what do you want? I want you to be perfect in this way or that way. All right. How would you feel if that happened? Oh, I would feel calm or I would feel loved, or I would feel beautiful, or I would feel acceptance, you know, so these are the things that we're going for. So if we can use that critical voice as a mindfulness bell, that something's off, and there's fear, then we can kind of wake up and be conscious and say, what's going on and do the work. I love what you said, because you bring up a lot of really important points. And you said this, you know, now as well as the TED Talk, But like you were saying, like, sometimes you have to embrace that critical voice, like you literally have to give it a hug. But also that critical voice, like you're saying, is scared. And if it's a scared two-year-old, why are we always listening to the scared two-year-olds in ourselves? You know, like, rationally speaking. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah. And you say, oh, it's okay. You know, let me hold you. Okay, now off you go. And you know how children are. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're done. You know, ah, okay, I'm done. Now I'm moving on to happiness and the next emotion that I'm going to have. And yeah. yet we as adults, we hang on to that thing that we did. And yeah, and then that's like, oh, baby, terrible. But if we exactly. just like, oh, fear, I fear. All right. Yeah. Okay, now I get to move on. Yeah. And, and, face head on whatever it is so sometimes it means okay maybe maybe i did blow it in communication with someone all right can i do i need to make amends oh yeah mm. i do in this case all right good all right now i forgive myself and i move on exactly i think you, you know like in order it, instead of giving that negative voice in our head like 100% of our energy mm-hmm. maybe it needs to be like how we approach a toddler mm-hmm. like you see it, but you're not like fully, you know, gonna accept everything they do, or you know, or, right. or you there realize you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, you're not gonna let someone hit you. Right, right. But we do that internally. Right, right. And we teach children how to, yes, it's okay to like with my daughter, it's it's okay to have strong emotions. Let's talk about that. And I'm going to create this container for you where you can flail around until you can do that. Which is what I see in little ones too. They take that breath. That's that's when you know there's been a passage. All right, now let's talk. And when Carmen was, uh, my daughter was older, a little bit older, what I noticed in herself was when her critical voice was starting in was she would do something and um, maybe um, Jim, her dad and I would be not happy with her behavior, right? And then she would first lash out at us and get really angry and, and push and blame us. And then suddenly she'd realize that, oh, her behavior was something that wasn't, didn't bring the result that she wanted. And then she would get in her bed and she would cover her head up and she would be really angry with herself. And then, she would cry and then we would talk. And so I sort of started noticing this. And I, and so finally one day I pointed out the pattern to her and I said, here's what happens. So you have this behavior, you don't like the reaction you get from us, you get angry with us, then you go and then you get really mad at yourself and say, I wish, I wish, I wish I'd never done that. I, you know, why did I do that? How stupid. And then you cry and then we talk. How about if you skip that part about thinking you did something wrong and bad that you can take back because you can't, and being mean to yourself. And how about if we go from one to the crying and skip that part? You don't have to get angry with yourself. And so we started practicing that. Like, and then we would be able to talk. And she would yeah. get it. And and it doesn't mean that she doesn't ever have a critical voice come up, but she doesn't spend a lot of time with it. She just like moves quickly into whatever the thing is that can be the solution. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's kind of like what we all need in life, someone to kind of help us to walk us from the ledge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're not alone. And if you can find even just one person, you know, we don't have to be alone. And that's what I love about our body positive communities is we create and our facilitators create communities where people can be together and, and help each other come back from that place that we're pushed to really. Yeah. You know, when my kid was, when my son was little, like four or five years old, you know, he's, he's he, like hard on himself from the very beginning. And whenever he felt like he did something wrong, he would literally just go and bite himself. Like he would bite his arm and you would see all these marks, you know? So in my, in my way of understanding love, what I made him do and I would talk to him and it wasn't really working. And then what I made him do was wear a cross. And I would tell him that even when you don't love yourself in that moment, there's something else, there's a higher power that does. Yeah. So before you bite yourself, remember that you're always loved, you were created from love, like the ultimate truth, mm. you know? Yeah. I think the quicker answer sometimes is to harm ourselves. Yeah. But if we took a moment and waited and let that impulse pass, because we all do feel badly, right. like what could be possible? This is the healing that the planet needs right now. Yeah. And I believe and I know that when we can do this for ourselves, then we are so much kinder and more loving with others. 
And I think about, you know, we're supposed to do unto others, um, but we have to do unto ourselves first. And at the same time, we have to treat ourselves how we want to treat others. And it's necessary. It's and, and there's so much more energy that comes out of us. There's so much room. I mean, and I, when if we bring it back to the body piece around hating my body because my thighs aren't this or my stomach isn't that or I'm getting older and I have wrinkles or all this stuff and we send all this energy thinking something's wrong with us and we're mad at our bodies. Oh, it's such a waste. It's so yes. And it doesn't mean it's not going to come up. I mean, I'm 61. As I said, my body's changing. There are days when I'm kind of like, ah, what's happening? And then I do my work and I think, okay, I'm 61. Wow. Okay, cool. I'm, and I'm lucky. I have a 93-year-old mom who's still alive and amazing and, and a role model to me about how to live in a body that's aging. And yeah, do I wish that I could be, you know, 40 forever and have a certain type of body? Sure, of course we all do, but it's not going to happen. And so what do I do? I accept, I accept. And what I've learned is that I can, I love my body. I love my body so much because it gives me life. And then I have to do the work of acceptance of the changes in it and of dealing with all that silly messages that come at us that are so strong that tell us something wrong with us and so that's the acceptance work but the love is deep it's there the self-love the body love is there and then the practice the daily practice is to be with myself in a, in a kinder way yeah I love that and you know it's kind of I really do feel like in our culture we focus on like the easy answers you know like the outside how you look it could be like my belly's too big my thighs are too big or a bag is going to make me happy but i think the real ultimate answer lies from within like if you you talked about it too like if you emanate that energy if you create that energy if you build that energy from within that belly may not matter as much you'll see it you know exactly or, or like you wouldn't need like 10 really great bags to make you happy because they're not going to make you happy. You know, it's a good, it's that resilience factor that none of us can ever put a number to. None of us can really touch it, but it just is there. And I think that's what all of us maybe should build. Yeah. And one of the ways to do it that I found helps because maybe it disappears for a while. Maybe it, we forget. And so okay, I forgot. Okay, now I'm remembering again. So I don't have to be mad at myself for the time that I forgot, the time that I was lost and got sucked into culture, or I love the matrix, you know, example, like we're plugged in and we don't know, we have un we're unconscious because we're plugged into the system. So we unplug, but sometimes we have to keep unplugging ourselves because it's easy to get plugged back in again. And so how can we keep remembering and allowing ourselves to forget and coming back and remembering again with, with kindness, like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, but now in this moment, because this is all I have, instead of being like, why didn't I? Why couldn't I? I should have. It's like, okay, but here I am now. All right, how do I want to feel now? I want to remember now. Okay, I'm awake. I'm conscious. I will practice today. I will take those, you know, actions today that will help me feel That's better. That's so interesting. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, you know, for myself, like, it, it, <laughs> I always have body issues, but even more than that were mind issues. Like, growing up for me, I would always tell myself to motivate myself, oh, you're so dumb. You're going to fail. And then you make that into this, like, really abusive relationship. <laughs> And then you do fail. <laughs> it becomes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That was my ultimate fear, like yeah. that I wasn't smart enough, that I'll never achieve it, that I'll never do it. Yeah. And after a while, you can really just get sick of that voice, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or bad encounters. You could you could focus on the, you know, like you say in your TED Talk, the negative bias of the brain. Yeah. The loudest voice is oh, that really, you know, that really sucked. You should have done better. And then the other voices, yes, that may could have, that could have gone better, but you can try again. Yeah. You can apologize. You can make it better. I'm glad you brought up the piece around negative bias, because I think that that's also another reason why our critical voices just get locked in and stuck is because 
as um, a tribal species um, if we don't, if we get ostracized, if we make that mistake that's going to be the one that's going to get us booted out, then we might not survive. And so to remember that this is where our brains come from, this long history of it's about survival. So, and within the community and the community when it's harsh is so harsh. So we're trying all to get everyone to be happy with us all the time. And yet we don't have to do that anymore. We don't. And we get to do that for ourselves in order to give ourselves that love. But what I love too, is that we can change our brain chemistry with practice. Mm -hmm. And I've really seen it since the days when I was suffering with my eating disorder and then still suffering with my mind stuff, as you say, the, the meanness in my mind. And with practice, it's changed. I mean, I might have a critical voice come up now and then, but it really doesn't last very long. And I kind of get back to, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, so I failed at that. So I didn't get that done. All right, well, I'll try again. Yes, being conscious of who we're listening to. Like if you're in a dark alleyway, and your body's telling you to get the hell out of there, that would be a good voice to listen to and get you the hell out of there, yeah. you know? Yes. While if there's something, if there's a voice that's screaming in your head, you know, with negativity, then that's probably the voice where that's a scared two-year-old that we should really be aware of and be aware that that's a scared two-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And that's you know? not truth. That, that, that is not truth. That is the voice yeah. of society or the voice of that person who's telling us that that's how we're supposed to feel. It's not true. Yeah. yeah. And then really listen in for that yeah. inner voice. Yeah. yeah. The quiet one that's always existed. Yes. Yes. And the beauty of the tantruming child inside of us is it's the wake up call. So it means something is out of whack in my life. Something is causing me to turn on myself. So thank you, little one. And all right, it's okay. I'm the grown up. I've got it covered. And that's another thing that I do a lot is, yeah, I'm the grown up here. Let's talk about all the work that we've done. I've got self-love. Mm -hmm. So really, you actually don't have to be afraid because anything can come at me now. And it has in my life. <laughs> Trust me, everything's come at me. I've been harmed, you know, in any way possible. And I've made it. So we're good. We're okay. We've got self-love. Yeah. Okay. Now you can go play and I'm <laughs> carrying on. <laughs> yeah. Instead of being like an abusive partnership, it's a kind of like if you're if you're conscious of it, of it it's like a way in which to all sit at the table mm -hmm. and let everyone speak equally. Yeah. Instead of just hearing the loudest one, you know. Yeah. You know, isn't it concerning how when we're coming out of the pandemic and there's so much anxiety and depression right now and probably even more so than before the pandemic? I'm I'm concerned how it's going to affect one's relationship with oneself. Yeah, well, it's it's really hard right now. I mean, I think that if we start just with the body piece of it, how people are relating to their bodies and so upset and angry and fearful, let's go to what it really is, fear around changes in our bodies because of being in the pandemic and having to then be seen again. And then thinking about the body and being seen on all levels. I mean, the body's just the metaphor for being seen. And so, but everybody's focusing on that. Oh, I've gained weight or my clothes don't fit me the same or whatever it is. And, and what I've been thinking about a lot is, sure, my body made some changes and I survived. Yay. Thank you, body. Thank you, body. Wow. I'm one of the survivors. So I really appreciate you for allowing me to survive. Okay. From there... Yeah, I've changed. I don't know who I am quite. Um, and I'm going to be seen again. And it's really scary to be seen. And so for so many people who are already struggling with, with other issues, I mean, it's going to be exacerbated. And getting help is key. Getting help is key. And But for people who can't afford to get help or can't afford to for that therapist or can't find anyone because everybody's got waiting lists, I mean, this idea of remembering kindness and honoring that we have been traumatized and that then in that place the gentleness with ourselves is really the best thing that we can do yeah being very aware because i think sometimes we have to like you say honor how we feel mm -hmm. but don't let it progress to self-abusive behaviors yeah. Yeah. get help right you know 
We don't have feel to cross those train tracks. Yeah, right, exactly. Feel what you feel. I mean, feel, cry, get angry, let it out. Don't hold mm -hmm. it in and don't feel like something's wrong with you for having all of these emotions. And don't feel bad about having fear. Yeah, this was scary. This is scary what happened and everybody's afraid and everyone's dealing with it in their own different way. And yet, yeah, how can we honor, recognize it? And, and I think all of this is this consciousness piece, staying conscious, staying aware, having that observer mind at the same time as all the other stuff is going on. Having, which I think of as essence, that is the essence, is our observer mind. And if we can remember that that's there and, and let that, as you were saying too, that quiet knowing place within us. So it's this, it's solid, it's there for us. And all the other stuff is gonna just be happening. But we're like, oh, this is happening now, right? Name it, name everything. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I worry for the children a lot. You know, because there's increased suicidal ideations for them. Some are cutting themselves. Yeah. So this is one thing. This is why I want body positive programs in every school. I want these places for the young ones to be able to come and talk to each other about what they're feeling and how they can then honor their bodies and how they can talk about the pressures that they're under. It's so much more than just body image, which we don't really even talk about. We talk about embodiment. Um, there's a reason my book is called Embody. It's to provide a spirit with a physical form. And so embodiment is around that deeper connection. It's not just about what we look like, that's part of it, but it's this whole piece around how do I exist in my body. And there's beautiful research out of Canada from a researcher named Neva Peron, who's done a lot of work around positive embodiment and what that can do for someone. And when we can give that to a child, it gives them resilience. And just with um, the high school and college students I've been working with over the last year and asking them, how are you doing through COVID around your body? And I just keep hearing if it weren't for the competencies of the model that we teach, they wouldn't be in a good place because one of them is cultivate self-love and so mm -hmm. they are working with their critical voices and they're working with listening to their intuition and working with accepting their bodies and loving them i really admire how your organization is starting really young yeah. and these programs exist in the schools you know how do you teach teens and young adults about body image and body positivity yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say first is that mm -hmm. we're actually in the middle of creating our K through eight classroom curriculum. Wonderful. When we first started in the 90s, we had materials for uh, teachers to work in classrooms from kindergarten all the way through mm -hmm. fifth grade. And, and then those sort of got outdated, but we're getting back to that. So we're going to start with the little, little ones again um, in high school and college. So, and young adults and adults at pretty much everybody. And then what our facilitators teach to middle middle school students too is just this starting with what is our body story so we're looking at the story around our relationship with our body what are the messages that we got when we were younger how do they make us feel um, what kind of changes do we want to make in our lives and and then for us it's how can we support you in making those changes giving agency to the to the individual looking at systems how can systems change so so if a body positive program is created in a school, it's not just saying individual, you need help. It's looking at all of the systemic issues that are causing students to not like themselves. So how can then we address those issues? So that's a big part of this. And yeah, and then it's just creating space for going through the five competencies, which are reclaim health. So looking at uh, our ancestors and how they live in our bodies in terms of our health and our size and our shape and honoring size diversity and honoring that um, people come in different shapes and sizes and health and weight are not correlated in the way that our society tells us. And that then the second part is practice intuitive self-care, which is listening to our bodies for all of our needs, starting with food and what am I hungry for and how do I know when I'm full and really understanding the cues in our bodies and caring for ourselves um, and not getting rigid about how we feed ourselves and how we move but but understanding what that means to listen to what our body's needs are and doing it through trial and error 
so then cultivate self-love is necessary because we can't live with trial and error if we aren't beating ourselves up if their error happens because it's just a learning opportunity. So I ate this and I didn't feel well, or I ate not enough, or I ate more than felt comfortable. Okay, I'll try again tomorrow and learn, learn from what happened, the feedback loop of how do I feel? How do I feel? What do I want? Then try and get what you want, whether in terms of movement, food, relationship, rest, all the different things in our lives. And then ask, how do I feel afterwards? And that's the key to all of this. But if I'm beating myself up, I can't hear that voice that says how I feel. So cultivate self-love. Yeah, turn towards ourselves with kindness. Work with the critical voice. Practice, practice. And then declare your own authentic beauty, which is, again, honoring the ancestors. It's so beautiful when people really connect with the people all the way back to the first human that gave them life. Whether we know our families or not, our immediate ancestors, we can connect with all of those that go back. And we can also connect with our chosen families and create that. So it's this idea of, of community, really, which is the fifth competency builds community. And this is finding even just one person who understands that we are choosing to um, disconnect from societal messages about how we're supposed to be and saying, this is my life. I don't know where it's going, but I'm going to listen and find my way. What a beautiful way to like redefine how life can be and starting early. Yes. Like if you, if you talk about it, if you rename our feelings, you know, if we build self-love, even with self-love, I mean, we're not saying error can't happen. It leaves a lot of room for error, but it's not going to tank you, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, all of it is about being human. That's how I see it. We're, we're not nothing. There's no perfection. There's no place that we're going to get to. And then growth stops. Growth happens forever. And we're always learning. We have cycles. We go through these cycles where we have to learn and it's hard. And then we come out into the light again. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then we go along for a while. And then something else needs to grow in us. And then there's kind of the harder times again. And so looking at I don't want to go through hard times. Who does? But they also make it so we can um, learn and grow. And it's kind of like, okay, hold on. Here we go. We're going on another ride. And then how can we see that there's potential for learning and staying open to that even when life is hard and not like, oh, shoot, I did something wrong. That's why it's hard again. You know, may I ask you, I really was inspired by your story of your sister and how, you know, you were called to action that way as well. Do you think your sister Stephanie could have unlearned her unhealthy habits? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that if, I think if the body positive had been around when she was in high school, she wouldn't have gotten breast implants. The reason she got them was she thought her nipples were deformed. And so she went to a plastic surgeon to have her nipples fixed by somebody. And then that doctor said, well, while you're here, we can make your breasts bigger. And so they put in implants and this was a long time ago. And one of them hardened and two doctors crushed the implant with four hands and silicone oozed into her body. I think that if she had been in a group of people and allowed to be her unique, wild, different, tall, big self and embrace that, I think that she wouldn't have done that. I think that's the action. And I think she would have definitely, as would I have gotten over or never had the eating disorder. Hearing yeah. your story, I think even in her life, you must have been the light in her life too. The fact that, you know, you recovered from bulimia and it was for something for her to see as well. And I think we make our choices, but you must have been the light. She was, um, she was really special to me. She was kind of like a second mom. She helped me get through puberty. <laughs> my mom was depressed during my teen years because she was unfulfilled. She's a really brilliant woman and she was in a very awful job that she didn't like and she needed to go back to school and, and be herself. And so she was kind of absent. And so my sister helped me get my first bra and talk to me about sex. <laughs> and she was really there for me. And the beautiful part of the story is that 
the way I healed was, I mean, the final last bits. So I had been going along for several months of really tapering down the behavior. And then she won a free trip for two to Hawaii. And she even had a partner at that time, but she took me with her. (laughs) And I said, I'm not going unless we don't engage in our behaviors. And at that point, I had a new friend whose mom was a therapist who sent me information about bulimia. And so I was starting to learn about it. And I, because Stephanie and I had engaged in binging and purging together when we were Mm -hmm. still living, um, well, she was not living at home, but she would come over to my parents' house. And that was our, that was our habit. And so I said, I won't go if we're going to do that because I'm almost done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And she said, okay. I brought all my literature with me. We read it all. We would go out and eat and we would keep food in us. And the next day we would look in the mirror, we'd put on our bathing suits and we'd say, well, you look just the same as you did yesterday. And so do you. And <laughs> we had this beautiful mirroring of each other, of who we truly were. And it was a really special moment. And I came home and I was done. And she went back to it. Um, but yeah, she was, she was a really, I think the thing about her was that she was so unconditionally loving of people, all people, no matter what their life's experience was and what they had done. Uh, she just really loved people and saw their essence. Mm-hmm. But she didn't love herself too she much, didn't, unfortunately. No, she didn't. Yeah. She was so capable of so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it just never got turned inward. Yeah. I loved how you ended your TED talk that you're going to embrace your imperfections and model it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, um, I just love role modeling imperfection. And I read a book recently, Untamed, which I loved. And um, Glennon Doyle, she talked about how really there is no thing, such thing as imperfection, which is a cool way of thinking about it too. Mm-hmm. So I embrace just being a fallible human being, I think, <laughs> and just allowing myself to like, oh, look, that didn't go well. Okay. Even in my workshops, I, it's so fun because I just remember this one where we were doing an activity and I, I was seeing that people were not getting where I wanted the result to be, you know, where they could actually turn towards, it was around self-love. And I went, let's, I'm going to stop this. I don't like what I created. Let's do this over again. I realized that this isn't working. And just doing that as a role model of, I didn't get it right the first time. And I'm not upset with myself. I'm just going to try something different in the moment was how I love to, to be a role model for people in life where I don't have to beat myself up if I don't get it right the first time. I'll just keep trying accepting yeah yeah Yeah. and and making it playful and having humor and looking at life as this weird it's weird to be human beings i mean we're like animals yet we have these weird brains that turn on ourselves and do strange things and that's bizarre because we also then have these physical needs and we have to function as as animals on the planet yet the brain is like what do we do with this thing sometimes and how can then we see it as as uh, an opportunity for a spiritual growth, for learning, and for having more love for ourselves and others? I think that's really wonderful. And sometimes we can laugh about it. We don't have to cry about it. It's like Dr. Seuss's book, Sneetches. You know how they're all trying to be the one, the sneech with the heart, the group with the heart. And then it becomes this like rat race. Yes. When really the ultimate truth could be we're meant to be diverse. We're different for a reason. Absolutely. And just accepting that and seeing that and opening to each person and who comes into our life and listening and saying, who are you? And having curiosity. That's the quality for me that I love so much now because I'm not comparing myself anymore to anybody because I don't have to because I see myself and I see my value and my purpose and my beauty. Therefore, every human who comes into my life with all of their differences, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to have relationship then. And who are you? And what's your life like? And how, how, you know, how can we connect with one another? And how can we connect from that heart space? I love that. And our own inner power that we all have. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Connie. It was so wonderful to talk with you. Thank you. My absolute pleasure, Michelle. And I wish you oh, all the best as you journey on your own path. It's exciting. Uh I can't. <laughs> I just I can't wait to just keep listening to how things go for you. I'll try to laugh more than I cry. <laughs> and cry when you have to. Definitely cry. And let that cry then turn into laughter and back to crying again. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It was such a pleasure. Thank it's you. Absolute pleasure. Really an honor. Oh, thank you. And um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention is if uh, if the, your program's not being mentioned in the schools, how can, can they come and find you? Yes, absolutely. Thebodypositive.org. So the is important. But if you also, if you search on Google for body positive or body positivity, we show up first. But it's thebodypositive.org. So there are online programs for children as well as, as well as adults too? Or? Yeah, so we have an online training program for people who work with mm -hmm. middle school, high school, and college. Um, the training program is also appropriate for high school and college students. And then we have a course called The Fundamentals, which is really just going through the competencies. And I think for yeah, teenagers and adults of any age. It's just teaching about the different competencies that we have and hearing from people who have experienced them. Wonderful. And just kind of planting seeds of a different way of being. And there's worksheets and all sorts of fun things to do with them. Thank you for being such a light, Connie. Your work is amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and follow Dr. Michelle Choi on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Are you looking for a unique perspective to help you gain insight into your health and well-being? Schedule a virtual wellness visit with Dr. Michelle Choi by going to our website, drlostorfound.com, to schedule an appointment.